Okay guys, here's the deal. I'm at an undisclosed location. I received a note asking to meet here to discuss something important. I'm a little nervous, but I, I brought along the microphone to find out what's going on. Oh, someone's coming. Hello? Hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> I'm Gabriel. Let's do a podcast about conspiracy theories and stuff. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm in. All right, let's do it. Alright, welcome to the show guys. You may be wondering what's going on. Um, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. This is a new podcast called Conspiracies and Stuff. My name is Robert and with me is Gabriel. It's true, I'm here and you can't stop me. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about this. So I'm going to give you guys a little background, a little peek behind the curtain. Um, I was always really excited to do the conspiracy episode of Movies and Stuff. And then um, after we did that, um, Gabriel actually reached out to us and wanted to know if we'd be interested in a full-time conspiracy podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that, Gabriel. Uh, well, that's all true. Um, yeah, I heard, the, I heard the episode where uh, you and Jason uh, were talking about the, the conspiracy theories, and it was such a good episode um, that I kind of... I was like, this should, this should really go on. This should be a thing. More, more episodes like this, please. And, um, yeah, that's when I reached out and, um, I'm really glad you said yes. Uh, my history with conspiracy theories is that, um, not that exciting. Uh, I think like most people, you know, you kind of reach a certain age, uh, where everything is so mundane and boring and you really want, to, you really want and hope for an alternate reality. Uh, so, um, so like, it's funny you know, because just, it's true. It's yeah. You're just sitting there at your desk for like the 200th day in a row, and you're just crossing your fingers. It's today the day the aliens come. Um, so if I wake up in the Matrix and I find out that it's all just. I just want. I want to go back to the simulation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So. Um, it's weird. Well, it's not weird. It's more tragic that I actually fall asleep every night at around uh, 4 a.m. watching just YouTube documentary after YouTube documentary of uh, of conspiracy theories. So I've been planning for this for a very long time. I've been studying. Mm -hmm. I've done my research. I'm ready to go. Yeah, Jason had. So we kind of talked about this, bounced around ideas, and then we told Jason, you know what, we're ready. And he he was like, oh, already? And I said something <laughs> like, we've been training for this our whole lives. Um, I feel like yeah. I agree. I was always into it. And then you reach a certain age. Um, as a kid, I was obsessed with alien stories. Um, mm -hmm. There was a show called Sightings that would talk about unexplained stuff, unsolved mysteries was and is still my jam um yes. files so i've always been into conspiracies alien stuff um 
Bigfoot, unexplained monsters, and ghosts. And uh, you and I actually talked um, last week about, like, growing up with grandmothers who always would tell you that, like, the devil would come for you. If if my grandmother used to say if you played cards after dark, your grand you would see a, a um the devil in the window. Or if you see a dog <laughs> pooping, your your eyes would turn red. So there's all these old tales and and myths and yeah, and yeah. These- which by the way, I had never heard any of that. And my <laughs> grandmother was just as Mexican as yours, and um, <laughs> I never heard any of that. So I'm only I'm I'm going to assume. That she only said that to you. Um, I mean, everyone in our family, <laughs> I think maybe part of being a Mexican grandmother is just um, making up shit to scare the family. And being colorful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's well, part I mean, of it. One of the things that my grandmother did whenever, whenever we would go visit her in San Antonio and when we would leave, um, she'd make all of us lay down on, on the floor side by side and then she would put a sheet over us. And then she would sprinkle holy water. Oh my um, goodness. And yeah, we'd always do it like either the morning or the night before. So it was always dark and she would sprinkle holy water on us and she would, uh, pray. Um, wow. And yeah. So I didn't grow up thinking that was weird until I told somebody else that and they're like, that's super weird. Um, but, uh, you know, it was like a little protection prayer it's really weird right like there's like a weird like a line between a chant and a prayer Mm -hmm. or like a spell and a prayer Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah yeah she she would do that um and then much later on when arthritis got bad she just she she actually used a windex bottle instead (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful i'm i'm so (laughs) fascinated by those things I think yeah. that's one of the things, maybe that's the good foundation of, of like people who are obsessed with these things is growing up with it. But, um, I was immediately, um, I latched onto this idea. I thought it was very exciting. So I think this is going to be a really great journey. We're going to go on exploring traditional conspiracies. I want to get into ghosts and monsters and old myths like we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be very, very exciting. Um, Yeah, anything has got to be better than this reality, right? (laughs) (laughs) We are going to take you away from your humdrum everyday drive to work or whatever it is and bring you exciting mysteries and and spooky things. You had mentioned you wanted to creep people out. It's true. I was just about to say it. We're going to creep you out. (laughs) Um, So the first thing we thought of i you had thought tossed out an idea of something from history that was kind of a a mystery not to to dr seuss it up but um (laughs) i had also thought of something so i thought these two things would pair quite nicely so um i'll go ahead and jump into mine and then we can jump into yours and um i think it'll be really fun to talk about um so the first thing i would like to talk about is amelia Earhart. uh she is she was America's sweetheart. Um, how much yeah, do you know about past tense? Past tense. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, from what I know about Amelia Earhart was that she was a lady who could also fly a plane. Am I wrong? You are one hundred percent correct. Um, awesome. Nowadays, that's not a big deal. But at the time, she was a pioneer. She was. Um, she was amazing. She was a true American hero. She was born in Kansas in. 1897 she disappeared on july 2nd 1937 
Um, there's a lot of conspiracies about what happened, a lot of theories. But the cool thing about Amelia Earhart is that people are still wondering today. Um, there was even uh, there's been updates, which I'll get to uh, last year, as recently as last year about what happened to Amelia Earhart. Um, okay, I think I know what you're talking about, but clarify. Well, okay, cool. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. So, on in 1937, she flew her plane from Oakland. The plan was to go around the world. So she hit stops like she flew from um, Oakland to Burbank to Tucson to New Orleans. Uh, went down to South America, over to A- um, Africa, and then through Singapore, um, India. Australia, and then finally New Guinea on July 2nd, 1937. Um, wow. The next part of the, the trek was going to be 2,500 miles, an 18-hour trip across the Pacific, the South Pacific, to an island called Howland Island. And she's um, doing all of this alone, correct? No, no, actually, she had a co-pilot named Fred Noonan. Um, okay. They had done, so they did basically two-thirds of the trick trek. And then they had this very long stretch for 18 hours. Um, The problem was trying to find this island that was a couple of miles wide to refuel. um, It was basically like trying to find this one golf course if you're flying over an entire state. Like just trying to find one little strip of land. Um, So they never made it to Howland Island. Uh, They left around 10 a.m., like I said, it was supposed to be about an 18-hour flight. And then 20 hours later, they got a radio transmission saying that they could not find this island. Um, there was a um, like a naval ship that was in communication with her. And uh, this Coast Guard ship they called the, the Itasca was waiting for them at Howland Island. But they said that they were having trouble finding it. And then she requested a radio bearing to pinpoint their location, and she said she was going to switch to another transmission, and then that was it. They switched over wow. to the other transmission, never found her again. Um, at the time, FDR authorized a $4 million search and rescue. He sent out 10 ships, 65 planes, 4,000 men. They searched for 16 days. So, theoretically... What would be your first assumption about what happened to her? That she crashed. Yeah, a water landing. Um, So in that case, there would be the plane would float for five hours just due to like air pockets and typical buoyancy. They also had life preservers and a lifeboat. Um, But through all that searching, they never found any evidence floating in the water in their grid that they were searching for. They didn't find anything. No wreckage. No nothing. 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 Wow. Um, so the first theory is that they just crashed. It sank faster than expected, and uh-huh. they drowned. Um, second theory: they landed on the wrong island. Um, so one of the things about their navigation was that the island that they had um, scouted, Howland. Mm-hmm. The map that they were using was a little outdated, and so it may have been off by like six miles. But if you're, if you know, in the middle it of the kind ocean, of makes sense that if, right, like if you're that high up and it's just six miles off, 
Like, wouldn't you still be able to see it from the air? You would think, yeah. But with if there were winds, any little things could have thrown them off. Um, so if they did have some kind of landing on another island, there's an island mm-hmm. called Gardner Island. It's nearby. It's deserted. Um, the second theory is that they landed on this island, crashed near this island, managed to make it ashore, and they lived as castaways for several years. Um, so this was 1937. In 1940, bones were found on this island. There was also like little pieces of wreckage and equipment. There was a woman's shoe. Um, they initially identified the bones as a man's bones, but then later analysis proved that it was a woman's bones. Okay. Um, but everything was pretty much inconclusive. But as, as late as the 90s and early 2000s, they were still analyzing those bones and, and digging up things on that island. Um, so that's the second theory. Uh, the third theory, this is where things get very interesting. 1970, there was a book called Amelia Earhart Lives, and it posits the theory that she had a water landing. Mm -hmm. She was taken prisoner by the Japanese, later liberated by the U.S. This one I have heard, yeah. Well, (laughs) secretly relocated to New Jersey, like a Mm -hmm. witness relocation program, and lived out the rest of her life as Irene Bolam, a housewife from New Jersey. Okay, I take it back. I have not heard that. Right. Yeah, that that last part kind of takes a twist. I can't yeah. see someone what? as she I have was questions. a true um outspoken person about women's rights and equality. Mm-hmm. I can't see her um just living a quiet life. Uh but you what know What was keeping her quiet? The right, Japanese maybe. Um, the U.S. government, because they had already pronounced her dead and kind of made a big deal about how much of a hero she was. Uh-huh. I think there maybe there was something they didn't want to go back on that. Maybe there was um, negotiations also with, you know, post-World War II, we wanted to have a better relationship with the, with Japan. So maybe okay. that's part of it, too. Who knows? Um, That's so strange. Rob, I, I promise you, if, if you ever go missing and are feared dead and years pass and you come back alive, I will tell everybody that you're not dead. Thank you so much. Keep the hope alive. <laughs> yeah. Keep my... I mean, that's uh, so, it's so strange. I'm going to um, make some kind of official document that you are in charge of like all my comic books and action figures. <laughs> so just Well, we have it on safe. recording now, so... Oh, yeah. There you go. This is an official document. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. All Everybody right. Theory four. Back off. <laughs> Theory four and my favorite is she was shot down by the Japanese. Now, 1937, Japan right. is becoming a, a big power. They're starting to take over a lot of islands in the South Pacific. It's very um, hostile territory. Yeah. They accuse her of being a spy. They capture her and Fred. They take them prisoner on an, on the island of Saipan. Now, there's a, there are reports from a local villager on that island. She says when she was a young woman, she remembers two men being captured, brought into the village. They were stripped naked, and they were surprised because one of them was a woman. They had never seen a woman in pants and a woman with short hair. Um, and so they were surprised that one of them was a woman. They were both American, both white, and... Um, they were accused of being spies. They were locked in a jail cell. 
and they were tortured. Eventually, the woman was taken down this long path out in the jungle. She was blindfolded and shot dead. And this woman witnessed all of this. Um, she was kind of hiding in a field. Um, they buried her in a, in a grave. And that woman planted a grapefruit tree there. So she always knew the spot. Uh, in okay. 1987, they excavated that spot because she had been telling this tale. Um, they found a blindfold that was approximately like 45 years old, uh, but no body. So perhaps she was unearthed later and moved to another location. Um, or perhaps it, you know, there's something, some inaccuracies to the story. Um, this is uh this is going to stick with me and uh, and every time I eat a grapefruit I will think of Amelia Earhart's <laughs> body. I think that's an appropriate tribute. Um yeah. these are stories that I I had heard many years ago on Unsolved Mysteries and uh you know for a long time you had these things in your head and you weren't quite sure if you remember them correctly. But now Amazon Prime and Hulu, they have Unsolved Mysteries on there. You can go back and watch these episodes. Right. And I, I, it kind of, it kind of uh, came, all came back to me, and I kind of was able to do more research and, and find out that they weren't just crazy things that I remembered from when I was five. They were actually real stories. <laughs> um, shortly after that, in 1944, the U.S. forces had taken over the island of Saipan, this same island. Um, soldiers stationed there recalled seeing a plane in an in an airplane hangar, and they thought that looks like the plane that Amelia Earhart was in. Uh, they also spotted um, a plane being burned later that week, and then they also found a safe full of documents with a lot of Americans' records, including stuff that was said to be Amelia Earhart's. They gave it to their higher ups. But nothing ever came out about it. They were told to shut their mouths, never talk about it again. Um, and there are, there are records and video of soldiers talking about these events. And you were um, hearing these stories as a child? On unsolved, well, on Unsolved Mysteries, I saw they had you know interviews and stuff with these people. And right, but still. Um, it, yeah, I watched a lot of really weird, spooky, mysterious well, stuff. To be fair, back then there wasn't so much of a. Uh, um, a safety net for children, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. We I could, we could eat all the Halloween candy we want, all the razor blades. And yeah. <laughs> there was no, there was nothing. Right. Worse. Right. And, uh, metal playground equipment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, uh, so the sorry, final, the final update, 2017, mm -hmm. a photo was discovered in the national archives and it depicted a woman sitting on a dock, a man standing next to her. And they were both American and they were surrounded by Japanese. In the distance, you could see a ship hauling something. Um, so this photograph has been analyzed. They compared it to other photos of Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. And when you put the side by, I'll post this on, on, uh, something that we create, or probably on our movies and stuff thing until we get our conspiracies and stuff site up or our uh, Facebook page. But I'll post these pictures because the resemblance yes, is please uncanny. do because I haven't seen these. It, while it is a, a black and white photo from the forties, uh, mm -hmm. you the way her posture, the way she sits, and the way he stands is kind of uncanny. It looks like 
Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan standing there and sitting there on the dock. It looks like her plane in the background being dragged by a a, a Japanese ship. Um, okay. So uh, this is last year that this photo was unearthed, and uh, so there's a so, lot but, of. Good. Do you have any kind of skepticism regarding this photo? I mean, because now, you know, 2017, 2016, around that time, like photo doctoring technology became really difficult to to spot, right? Like yeah. uh, altered photos became c- so convincing and realistic. Like, do you have a, what's your thought oh, on that? Oh boy. Um, you know, with a lot of conspiracies and monsters and myths, um, there is a lot of doubt. I, I think it's fun to subscribe to those theories. But um, with this one, I really want to believe that she didn't just drown. I really want to believe that she didn't just live as a castaway for months or a couple of years and, and die of starvation. So um, that's, the, that's the most exciting theory to for me because I like to imagine that although she – didn't make it back to her home and was possibly, you know, the mission was considered a a possible failure that she managed to live out her days on this beautiful Island with this guy. Maybe they had kids, maybe they built um, a nice home for themselves. Who knows? Um, Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. That's a really romantic. uh, That's true. That one isn't too bad. Yeah. Um, It's much better than, than picturing her just, uh, you know, blindfolded and executed right um yeah i don't know so i I want everyone to see this photograph because it it is compelling but it is also still kind of a grainy black and white photo so there is certainly a lot of doubt but there's also that spark of like what if which is i think the exciting thing about a lot of conspiracies um right yeah that's that's one of the things that i think keeps these things going is mm -hmm. that the the what ifs uh, almost never get answered and if anything they just multiply so uh, yeah the, the idea that that it's how many years have passed since since this 80 the i think this was the 81st anniversary this year and people are still talking about it more yeah. theories are, are popping up that's, yeah this guy came across great. this photograph because he had been searching for some kind of evidence um for years and years and basically there's this big warehouse full of old photographs from the 40s and and he and especially from like um military like when they went in and just took over islands and and uh, just kind of grouped all of this stuff and just threw it in a folder and and that was it um never really looked through by anyone for years and years so I, i'm I really think- surprised that oh go ahead i'm sorry I was just going to say, I, I think of, of all of the conspiracies, I think this is the one that would give the most credit to, the most yeah. uh, legitimacy to, just because it's not right away, like, dismissible. Like, I look at it and I can't say, oh, well, there's no way. There's That's ridiculous. This one, I'm kind of like, maybe, maybe. Hmm. And in none of your research, did you come across anything pertaining to the, the Bermuda Triangle? No, no. Um, her past... Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. So her path, yeah. I had I had wondered, you know, and I've I've heard a couple of theories, but her path was nowhere near it. Basically, once she hit Miami, which is the one of the corners, I think of the of the Bermuda Triangle, she went south, and by the time she disappeared, she was on the other side of the world from, from okay. the Bermuda Triangle. All right. Well, yeah, but okay. it's yeah, it's something that for some reason still 
captures a lot of people's imaginations. Like I said, as recently as last year, things have, have been um, still being unearthed. So I think it is, you're right, it's one of those things that we'll never really know the full story, but uh, this one is definitely something from history that I think will continue to captivate everyone. Okay, but so you you, you um, told us what you've read. Now, what do you actually think it is? Um, I, I would say I'm probably 40%. She just crashed and died in the water. 60%. I would say, I think this is a real possibility that she was captured by the Japanese and executed just because there's so many different witnesses. There are several soldiers. There are several island people from the island who are still alive today. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this photograph that I think lends itself to it. it. It's certainly not impossible. It's an island that was nearby. Um, if the Japanese saw an American airplane and they shot it down, they would. I think they would assume it was a spy. And right, that would, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so it, it's something that lends itself to a lot of credibility, and, and there's it's not out of the realm of possibility. So that one I'm, I'm really kind of leaning towards, but we will never know, ultimately. We will never know. Yeah. Sad. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's my uh, first conspiracy and uh, mystery from history. Um, well, you know one thing we forgot to mention at, hmm. the, at the start is a, a slight or a, a small disclaimer. Oh, yes, that, yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. We we love conspiracy theories. We love the outlandish nature of them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we believe in them uh, uh, full-heartedly or anything like that. It's, to us, they're just entertaining stories. Um, also, we uh, have heard these stories many times throughout the years. Um, so you can find the same story repeated in a different way uh, on various websites. So things that you may have heard about certain subjects um, may be told in a different way here on this podcast or told differently on a different website or whatever. Um, So we're just throwing that out there in case there's uh, any comments that end up in our, yeah, uh, in our uh, direct messages or anything like that. As the Um, kids say, don't at me. I think they say Is that, that what kids say? Yeah, I think they say don't at me, like, you know, the at symbol. I don't like kids. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. What do you got for your first conspiracy theory? Well, um, let's see here. Let me just grab my phone. Okay. So, yeah, kind of keeping on the, on the theme of yours of uh, um, American legends. We're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about the Philadelphia experiment. Are you familiar? Dun, dun, dun. Um, I've heard tales. Um, I, I know it was, um, on a ship and something, uh, weird happened with like manipulated manipulation of like the ship. Uh, but yeah, tell us, tell us more. <laughs> that's pretty much all I got. You, <laughs> you're, you're close. You're, that's pretty good. Um, okay. So we're going to start this in 1943. Um, now at that time, it's in the middle of World War II. 
uh, Nazis and uh, Nazi U-boats are a real problem. Um, a lot of uh, American uh, um, naval vessels are vulnerable. And so they start producing uh, a new line uh, called uh, that are um, what are they called? They're called U.S. Navy escorts. And two of them that they were testing uh, was the USS Eldridge and the USS uh, Furuseth. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And at this time, one of the things that they were uh, concerned with was the uh, detection of their large ships by U.S. or by, uh, excuse me, by enemy radar. So um, the the Navy escorts, they were large, but they were very, very slow. So um, what they wanted to do was use um, what was, uh, what was called the unified field theory, which was something that Albert Einstein was working on at the moment to, uh, figure out a way to mask the, uh, the Navy escorts from radar. So I've heard it in two different ways. I've heard that they were just trying to trick radar into, into not seeing the, the ships, but I've also heard that they were trying to make the, uh, the ship's completely invisible to the to the human eye. Oh, interesting. Right, like an actual yeah. cloak of invisibility. So, I'm not a physicist. I never said I was. But um, the unified field theory is essentially, it's a, <laughs> it combines the interaction of matter with light and then uh, both of those things with gravity, which would, in theory, manipulate space-time um and what this would essentially do for the ship would it would bend the light that is uh being reflected at it through uh through radar and then bounce back and like the ship was never or bounce off rather like the ship was never there so what they 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 rig the uss eldridge with this machine that would emit this electromagnetic fog that would then encompass the entire ship. And then uh, that, the I guess it being uh, electromagnetized, I guess, uh, is, what, um, is what would make it seem invisible. But what happened was that... What could possibly guess, go wrong? <laughs> I know, right? Um, in this old science... <laughs> Which was cutting edge at the time, by the way. True, and yeah. Very, it's very amazing when you when you think about the things that Albert Einstein hypothesized about and calculated. Um, it's amazing the idea that these things had never been um, thought of before, or maybe not perfected, and the fact that they can take those things, like the atomic bomb, and apply it, and and we saw the you know the results of that. Um, it is crazy to think about this other experiment that that maybe didn't go as well as the atomic bomb. Um, it's also fascinating to think about the time frame too, 1943. Like this is just a few years after Amelia Earhart, but um, so much going on. You kind of my first thought was like, why would they be wanting to busy themselves with this in the midst of war? But I guess it was because of the midst of war, like right. they needed yeah, some they're... defense. Yeah, exactly. So because of the U-boats, they were losing a lot of ships. So they were trying to get a leg up uh, on the on the enemy. 
Um, so this, you know, I think at that point when you, when you become so desperate, you're willing to try anything, including fringe science, um, you know, that may not necessarily be, um, 100% on the up and up. So, cause yeah, the things, things go bad and, um, things go really bad. So, so here's what happens. And this is according to, um, so I said that there were two ships, right? The, the mm-hmm. USS Eldridge and the USS Furuseth. That's F-U-R-U-S-E-T-H. Furuseth. Um, now there was a witness on the USS Furuseth named Carlos Allende. He's kind of important. We'll come back to him later. But as a witness, this is what he said happened. So, Remember that fog that I was talking about? That yes. Electromagn- yeah. So apparently it was like, it came out green and was like really, really eerie. And it, it not only did it cover the entire ship masking it in this fog, but then afterwards there was this uh, like blinding white light and they thought it worked, right? They thought that the ship went completely invisible because according to Car- Carlos Allende, he saw nothing. Like, like nothing was, was even there. Just, uh, small traces of this green fog. Now he was not on the ship. He was just. No. Okay. He, he was witnessing was, it yeah, from afar. Was, yeah, exactly. He was a witness on the USS Furseth. Um, so, uh, yeah, when they came back, they what what actually happened was that they had accidentally teleported 200 miles away to um, a port in Virginia, but just for like a brief moment, and then they came back. Then when they came back, um, shit went nuts, right? So <laughs> <laughs> when. When you teleported, kind of, you know, it's kind of the things that we've heard from the X-Men comics or from Star Trek that, you know, one of the um, easiest theories of teleportation um, is that, or I guess hypothesis of teleportation is that it it takes your molecules and takes them from one place to another. And that's why you can't really do it blind or be doing it while you're making like crazy um motions with your body because then you can teleport and then lose an arm or teleport it basically and end up like inside takes a you apart molecularly reassembles you in a different place um yeah we've been warned about this by like so many science fiction stories like the right. the Jeff gene Goldblum. roddenberry has been telling us for years right yeah um there's always a mishap with the the teleporter and then like um the fly with jeff goldblum like his teleportation worked, but then once you introduce a separate creature in there, like a fly, mm-hmm. it takes apart all your molecules and then mixes yeah, it you two up together. His DNA. So, yeah, so yeah, I could see how this would be um, an exciting prospect, but so free. Like you'd have to be so brave well, to see, be the first one to try the it. The teleportation, the teleportation was not the end goal, right? It was to make it invisible mm, that's right that's right you're right yeah so it did work but then i i don't know how um and a lot of theories that i've read don't actually go into the actual science of how you know i don't know if they just put too much energy into it i don't know i don't know but it, yes it did go invisible but just for a moment before it teleported into um to virginia 200 miles away and then back uh and then 
when it got back. Um, yes, some people experience some kind of sickness or psychosis. Um, at the very least, some of them experienced, you know, slight fatigue. Um, but some of them, uh, got their molecules all scrambled and ended up inside the ship's hull. Yikes. So they were, yeah. So, um, the stories and, uh, th- that I've read were talking about guys who were half inside a wall and half out or, some of them were embedded in the floor. Um, th- you know what? There's actually a really good movie um, called The Philadelphia Experiment that's available for free on YouTube uh, where they they talk about this because it's all about this. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend watching that movie. It stars uh, Michael Pere and Nancy Allen, I think. Um, it's definitely an 80s movie, so it's super cheesy. Um, but give it a go. Uh, they they can probably give you a better visual of of people inside of a wall than I can. But um, what they described was especially gruesome and um, just a really terrible way to go. Um, so the ones that that did survive, the ones that kind of came out of it uh, out of this unscathed, um, there was reports of of a couple of them. Just blowing off steam, going into a bar, getting into um, a bar fight. I guess the sailors do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and then uh, they just faded out of existence. Like there are multiple witnesses that say that they just like, faded away. Like one of those, like you know, like a um, <laughs> like an old school TV, like star wipe. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just like fade away or um. Back to the Future, I guess. Oh, uh, good. that's a good one. So, is, that, during good, is their... that a good example? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine the him looking at the Polaroid and seeing the. Yes, the, uh... exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. So they're so, so that's they're how they fighting. Described it. They're fighting and they're kind of phasing out. Are they phasing in and out, like coming back, or are they just gone? No, they they're just gone, and nobody oh really my knows. God. Nobody knows if they teleported. Or if they just faded out into existence, like their molecules were so unstable that they just kind of drifted apart and their whole entire being just vaporized into, the, you know, just gone. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Um, now, some some things that I've read have said that uh, not only did it teleport, but it also um, went through time. So uh, there have been... Um, some quote-unquote sightings of the USS Eldridge as recently as like 2012. Like it'll just (laughs) appear places and then vanish. Now, I've seen those photos and those are for an untrained eye like mine I can tell when something is is doctored. Mm -hmm. It's not quite right. And those don't look quite right. But it is an interesting and entertaining addition to the story. So, yeah. So there's a similar um, thread between both of our stories. Like they both have military um, testimony, right. and and it's um, it's kind of a similar situation. Like you want to trust someone who's seemingly like putting their reputation on the line to tell the story, um, but the stories just sound so. Especially this Philadelphia experiment sounds so crazy that. Um, right, it sounds nuts. You have to really wonder, cool. like, if if they're lying, why would they 
put themselves out there with such a crazy story. Well, here's the thing. Remember that guy I mentioned, Carlos Allende? Yes, I remember him. Yeah, so he was the one that was a, a, a witness. Well, at the time, in 1943, um, the the idea of aliens and UFOs and all of that was a pretty big moneymaker in terms of entertainment. And like the those old like Tencent pulp uh, novels um, were just very, very popular. And... Uh, there was a writer by the name of uh, Morris Jessup who was who had done a, a lot of those, but he really wanted to take it a step further and make it kind of a, a serious art, right? So he started working on a very serious novel about UFO sightings and abductions, and um, yeah, right. So this is a project he's working on. Well, he and I should mention this is taking place ten years later. Uh, in the fifties, um, he received one of his own books that had notes in the margins from Carlos Allende that explained all of this, that, that talked about, um, you know, all the things that had happened with the, the people on board, the USS Eldridge, what they were trying to do and all of that. So Morris Jessup, uh, ended, uh, ended up selling, uh, or not selling, I'm sorry, sending this book to somebody at um, the CIA who immediately dismissed it, of course, and uh, tried to say that Carlos Allende was actually another person named Carl Allen, and he was hired by the CIA to be um, an, a disinformation agent, Ooh. which is a great job, by the way. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, just flood the mainstream with things that don't exist. And that aren't real anyway. So, um, uh, yeah. So it it was really easy to dismiss this, especially when all of this is coming to light from this, uh, pulp writer who writes these terrible, silly, goofy books about UFOs and alien abductions. If he's the one that's really pushing this theory, this, this idea of the USS Eldridge, um, he doesn't have a lot of credibility, so it just kind of gets pushed aside. And, and then um, the U.S. Navy, actually, one thing that I would read said that uh, they had, um, the experiment had gone so badly, had gone so wrong that they went ahead and just doctored all of the um, the records and said that, nope, no U.S. Eldridge here, not, any, not anywhere near the Philadelphia Harbor. Um and so the official documents say that there was never a USS Eldridge. Oh wow! I was, that was going to yeah. ask about that. What's the like the official record on the ship? On the ship? Yeah, wow! That it was. Um, I can't remember if it was that there was no Eldridge or there was an Eldridge, but it was nowhere near Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was. It, it got pushed to the side pretty easily. Um, just you know, I think mostly because of. Um, the whistleblower being who he was and having yeah. the reputation he had. I'm sure that's like a, like their eyes light up when they, with any conspiracy, um, if you dig deep into who's telling the accounts, um, I'm sure that's the great thing about a lot of conspiracies is like, oh, well, look at who, look at the source, look at who's saying right. it. Yeah. And, and, you know, back then writing those books was, I mean, 
you could get not I don't want to say in trouble, but it didn't carry a lot of weight. In fact, it was considered an embarrassment, kind of like um, I know that writing comics back in those days, you know, in the 50s and 60s yeah. was considered a bit of a joke job. And nobody took that that profession seriously. Um, so and, and I'm sure, you know, if you're in power within the CIA, the last thing you want is to be um, shown up by this crackpot who's been, you know, the supposed crackpot who's been yeah. writing these silly books. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is a bummer for Morris Jessup. But I'm sure he went on to, um, you know... I don't think there was a happy ending for Jessup, honestly. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I'm pretty right. sure. I'm pretty sure Jessup died uh, in a pile of his own unsold books. Yeah. One thing I've learned from the X Files is that uh, things don't often end up well for these uh, these conspiracy uh, whistleblowers. Yeah. They yeah, they always. Bummer, but yeah. But yeah. Um, so, the, but there's you know the really cool idea, the implication that um, Americans have unlocked the the power or the the capability of trans or of teleportation and uh, possibly time travel and invisibility um all three of those things in one um mistake experiment yeah uh, and then just got too spooked to continue doing it again well that's what i was gonna say like you gotta wonder if it, if the results were so bad that they've never even tried again or if they have tried again and perfected it and just they're so it was so successful that we don't even know about it um, well i mean like you i'm sure you could probably say that a lot of modern um camouflage or um yeah we'll say modern camouflage technology that that uh large aircrafts use is probably because of things that came about these experiments or this experiment in particular. Sure. Yeah. Um, and if anything, if anything, you know, it definitely gave more of a, um, of a boost to Albert Einstein's reputation as a, a really brilliant physicist. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is what 1943 you said. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that is so fascinating. I, I, I as you started telling it, I, I recalled images um, of like guys like coming out of the hole of the ship or like phasing and being melted into the 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 deck and and stuff like that. I've seen images like that, but the extent of the story is, is very fascinating, especially like the green fog. That is, yeah, that is so creepy and fascinating. Um, yeah cool stuff but it is I, I don't know it's it's it makes you or made me curious like where else did it go what other time periods did it visit and how do they how how did it manage to stay in the water you know yeah yeah <laughs> like how did it trans or teleport from you know uh the docks of philadelphia to the docks in virginia like how did it know to stay in the water and not just like end up on dry land Oh, that would have been such a mess if it like landed in the middle of like a Walmart or something. <laughs> you know, oh, I probably man. they probably wouldn't even know it was there. That place is such a mess. Anyway, um, <laughs> especially the one by my house. Am I right? <laughs> Local humor. <laughs> but yeah, it would be it would be uh, really interesting, you know, to see that it ended up in like the desert or how did this get here? We'll never know or something. But the fact that it jumped from there to there all the while staying within 
you know, in the water. Um, so you asked me a question. I'm going to turn it back around to you. What is your, how much do you believe this story? Um, if anything, I feel like this story gives credibility or it gives weight to the idea that the American government is continually testing out technologies that they don't want people to know about. Um, there are some things that I feel like they work on that we, uh, simpletons, uh, shouldn't know about just for security reasons. But then there are other things that there are, that are much more dangerous or large that they put, uh, people's lives, uh, at risk, like with the Philadelphia experiment, um, that, uh, that they have to keep quiet about. Um, yeah. So that is, yeah, that's, that's a crazy, crazy story. Um, I, th- I thought it was so cool that both of our, like, some of the first suggestions that we kind of threw out were both so similar, like, as far as, like, these 1940s, uh, 1930s mysteries uh, involving kind of the, our military. Um, so this was a good pair to start out with, I think. Uh, I think so, I think it was yeah. a great start. I- I'm really excited about all the possibilities of things that we could talk about. Um just to throw it out there, like, I, I know I want to... Texas has a lot of great history. I would love to get in, like, a Ghosts of Texas episode. Um, we have a lot of haunted places around. Like, there's even a, a ghost, supposedly, that lives under the Texas Giant um, at, at Six Flags. Um, <laughs> I've never is... heard that. Yeah, it's like a little gift shop uh, under one of the... one of the, the Wait, like a ghost gift ghosts. shop? It's, well, it's a normal gift shop, but there's a little oh. girl that supposedly haunts um, okay. the little gift shop. Um, well, that's not nearly as cool. <laughs> there is uh, the San Antonio, I think, has the railroad track, I think, that you see handprints on the on your car window if you if you happen to stop on that railroad track. Um there's, oh yeah, I've I've heard that story. In fact, yeah. I want to say um, here in Dallas, there's that story. But I'm sure every city, every has that story. everyone has a, a Lady of the Lake. <laughs> yeah. Although you know, as as um, excited as I am to talk about ghosts, I will say that if there's ever a ghost story that involves a little girl uh, with in a in a white gown with long wet black hair, I'm out. Not that I find <laughs> it scary, I just find it too goofy to take seriously. <laughs> not me i'll be creeped out um <laughs> no ever since the ring came out um the the sightings of of uh, little girls with wet hair has definitely increased um <laughs> and I, I i don't buy it i'm willing to suspend disbelief for a lot of things but little girls in white gowns no <laughs> um, <laughs> the same goes I, for little japanese boys that that meow <laughs> I don't know if you could hear it, but my cat just meowed. That was perfect timing. My cat <laughs> likes to sleep under the uh, desk that I record this at. So she's. Are you sure it's not a little Japanese boy under your Wait desk? Wait a minute. Ah! <laughs> um, <laughs> I also want to dig into like alien conspiracies. There's a ton of things with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got what, some uh... things to say about pyramids. God damn it. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, I, I wouldn't mind rest. jumping into. Um, <laughs> cryptozoology with like bigfoot and loch ness and all the other various creatures chupacabra um what other areas are you looking forward to kind of diving into um 
don't know. Uh, no, I like <laughs> I like silly I like silly myths about like food. Um, I, you know, there are some there's some really good ones about uh, M and M's and Coca Cola that I can't wait to share. Um, spaghetti. Oh. Uh, I just learned a thing about spaghetti that we'll talk oh about boy, later. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, uh, really anything that has to do with the devil, uh, or religion mm-hmm. in general, uh, mm-hmm. I find fascinating, um, and really, really cool. Oh, I, you know, I should have told you this long ago. So I studied art history when I was in college and, um, I'm actually happy to say that I get to use that degree every day. Um, so take that mom. Uh, but, but, uh, the, you know, one of the things that always bothered me was, you know, occasionally we would see some really disturbing art that involved the devil or, or, uh, the torture of some, of, uh, of a priest or a saint or something. And I'd always think like, where's more of that? I know there's, there's gotta be more of this and it's out there. We just need to find it. Um, and so that's kind of what I focused on in college was like the weird, bizarre, scary stuff, you know? Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, that has always kind of been my thing. Uh, that may come from uh, a childhood fascinated or terrified of the, uh, the exorcist. Mm. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I'm going to, that's, that's going to be my area to tackle. I'm, I'm really excited. I think, I think, uh, you guys come along on this journey with us into the weird unexplained world uh that we're we're hoping to dive into i think it'll be a really fun ride i I think a lot of people have a lot of stories maybe they can share with us about their own uh experience with the unexplained i think that'll be cool to share those stories um so yeah i'm looking really i'm really looking forward to it Uh, i hope you enjoyed these stories um and the only other thing i have to say is uh Hey, everyone. Keep it spooky. Keep it weird. (laughs) Bye.